The clock on the VCR said 6.13, but morning or evening, Joel wasn't sure. Outside his window, a few headlights beamed past, illuminating an unending stream of sugar-white fragments pouring down from the sky like frosted flakes. One thing he was sure of, he knew who was ringing his phone. Made no difference, night or day. With his cheek still pressed against the soft, crushed cushion of his sofa, furry and damp as the warm lap of a childhood bear, he reached for the receiver. Hello? He managed, in an underwater voice. Jolie? Were you asleep? Sylvia shouted. Why are you sleeping at such an hour? He pulled the receiver away from his ear an inch or two and hoisted himself upright. Not sleeping, Mom. Just resting, he lied. Long week, that's all. He couldn't tell her. Not over the phone. Not long distance. Switching on a lamp, he shielded his eyes from the glare, then turned his attention downward toward the long, low groaning of his stomach. Hungry. Missed lunch. Ah, must be evening then. He grabbed a plum from a glass bowl balanced atop a stack of half-read books, half-listening as she prattled on, something about his father. It was a dark purple plum with a powdery gray coating at the seam. He picked up a second one in the same hand. With his fingers splayed wide, he fondled them a while, orbiting them smoothly, one past the other, his thumb working. Then he began to toss. The motion took him back almost twenty years. Pink, white, pink, pink, white, pink. He is six years old again, locked in the shiny silver bathroom of their Brooklyn apartment. The smooth, round contours of his mother's pink and white rosette soaps fit perfectly into his little hands. Pink, white, oops, and the clatter of a miss. What are you doing so long in there? Sylvia hollers from the kitchen. I'll be right out, he shouts back, collecting the dented tools of his trade and returning them to their places in the faux marble dish. He always remembers to flush before opening the door, and sometimes, if he feels her eyes upon him, he even adjusts his pants on the way out. Only once does he make the crucial error of leaving the toilet lid up during these sessions. Then, wide-eyed and helpless, he watches for the splash and has to think fast. Scooping out the wayward specimen, he turns on the faucet and pretends to wash his hands, congratulating himself for his cleverness. I hope you're not using my fancy soaps in there, she hollers this time. You'll know they're only for the company. Joel can hardly wait for his big debut. On Tuesday night, a flock of extra-wide women in babushkas and short men in woolen top hats scuffle through the front door, tossing their overthings onto the Davenport as they enter, kissing his face or ruffling his dark curls. Joel watches as the dining room fills with bodies, then shimmies behind two folding chairs, his cheeks pulled tight, making what he hopes is his most adorable, toothless grin. He glances at the montage of intent faces. Aunt Giza's silver braids crown her head in that old-fashioned style she wears. A polished menorah gleams through the glass case behind Uncle Mort's head, 
like a rack of golden antlers. Tonight is poker night at the burgers. Uncle Eugene, Aunt Hermina, and Aunt Yulon are there too, all squeezed in around the oversized padded table, arguing over pennies. It will be years before Joel discovers that he has no real aunts, uncles, or cousins. But this raucous gathering of grown-ups, under their attendant ceiling of blue-gray smoke, has been part of the wallpaper of his life since day one.